get somewhere fast, when it's pouring rain or freezing cold, when you're simply too far from a bus or a train, when the people who drove you to the party had too much to drink. These are some of the key times when you want or need a taxi. Our Working Shift series takes a look at people with interesting jobs, and today we're talking with a cab driver. Her name is Cheryl Miller, and you can ask her any question you have about driving a cab. 312-923-9239 is that number. 312-923-9239. Cheryl Miller, welcome to the morning shift. Oh, thank you. All right, give us a, a picture of a typical day and a typical week for you. Well, um... For me, I, a typical day is 12 hours. Um, I I drive about a 12-hour shift a day, and I work five to six days a week. And other than that, um, and the process of picking up people and dropping them off, um, you, you, who I pick up during the course of that week and the course of that day can very wildly. And so uh, what time are you clocking in and what time are you clocking out? Well, for okay, so for me, because oh, I'm a lease driver, I lease 24 hours, so my start times tend to be fluid. Um, A lot of drivers who do 12-hour shifts, but 12-hour leases start at 5, go from 5 to 5 a.m. or p.m. or um, 4 to 4 um, so I, and that's one of the reasons why I like having a 24-hour cab because unless I'm picking up somebody spe- especially to get them to a red eye, I'm not typically out at two, up at 2.30 or 3 in the morning. Sure. 312-923-9239 is the number to call to ask Cheryl Miller any question you have about driving a cab. 312-923-9239. You, you called yourself uh, uh, a 24-hour a lease a driver. What is what does that mean exactly? It just means so. There's different way. If you're a lease driver, there's different ways you can lease at twelve hours, um, twenty four hours, or weekly. So if you lease it weekly, then you have the cab for the week. Twenty four hours just means that I have the the cab. car for twenty four hours. And then so I what's the opposite of a lease driver? What's a, what's oh, another way be, of setting it up? Um, that would be um, an owner operator. A lot of people um, bought meda- bought individual medallions. Sure. And so um, the medallion is the equivalent of a you know Chicago cab drivers have to have a chauffeur's license. Okay. The medallion is the cab license. It's the license to operate a vehicle as a cab. And sometimes um, people might notice there's a little metal plate on the hood of a sure. taxi. And that's the physical man, you know, manifestation of the medallion. And so if you own a, a cab company, you have to have lots of these medallions? Or oh, each, one... No, no. Each, end of, each cab must have its own medallion. And, and, and each one of those is that ain't cheap, right? No. Well, 
they used to be not cheap um, because of ride shares basically decimated the value of hmm. medallions, and this has been a real problem, especially for owner operators. All right, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in just a, in just a few moments. Now, I understand you live in the the Hyde Park, the Kenwood area, right in the Kenwood, and, yeah. and you start your day there. What neighborhoods? Uh, do you typically end up in over the course of a day? Um, starting uh, where I start, I typically am either going downtown and or um, to other areas in the south on the south side. Um, although, uh, and then sometimes lately, for some reason, I've been going to taking people to the south suburbs. Um, and but I could end up anywhere. I um, last week I ended up in in Northbrook. So, you know, then I um then I went and went, started driving in the on the northwest side taking dispatch calls on the northwest side. And uh you know, when you when you're taking somebody to Northbrook, do you is it just a you just let the meter go? Is the do you figure out sort of a flat fee for a really long trip like that? How how do you well, work it? Well, with um with 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 Chicago cabs, all of the rates are mandated so when you go to the suburbs from the city itself, it's meter and a half from the city limits. If you go to the suburbs from the airport, it's meter and a half the whole way. All right. Let's uh, go to the phones here. Uh, somebody wants to talk to Cheryl Miller. Let's take a call about uh, ride sharing. Uh, Anshul from uh, Wicker Park has a question. Anshul, welcome to the morning shift. Thank you. All right. What's, uh, what's your question? So I want to know what is the real effect of sort of these ride-sharing ride sharing services like Lyft and Uber on the daily life of the cab driver? Um, well, it's it's very, very hard. It means that drivers um, are typically working more. Drivers will take a break and then come back out and work um, more hours. Drivers who maybe worked five days will work six or seven days. Um, it is... It, it, because of the reduction in fares, um, it's stressful because of you know what you needing not having the same amount of money that you need to make your expenses. And then for owner operators, um, because the city issued these medallions and um, at and especially people who bought at the height when they were three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Um, now they are um, three. I'm sorry, they're twenty-five to fifty thousand. If you can find a buyer, and many people have had their um, loans um, canceled. I talked to somebody who had two medallions, and the bank foreclosed on on both of them. Wow! Uh, and then they they would what take them just like they would take somebody's house. right. Right. It's like being underwater except if you're underwater on your house it doesn't affect your livelihood most of the time but when you are underwater on um your cab medallion then that means then you can't pay for your house so it's a, it's been a real snowballing effect for many drivers now you've been doing this for 20 years yes Although wow. I like to say more than fifteen, because when I say twenty, it makes me feel. All old. right. <laughs> <laughs> and and do, you, do you have one of those uh, beaded things that uh, goes on your back so that? Uh, no, your once back upon hurt? a time I did. I love those. I, I, things. I know, but you know what? They don't actually work. <laughs> 
You see them in like every cab. Well, it's because well, when I first started driving a cab, I I saw other drivers doing it, and then I they said, oh, well, this will help with back pain, and so I went and I bought one, and I and I sat Bad on work. it, didn't didn't do anything. It's supposed to be like a fluctuating massage. Right, it doesn't yeah. do that. Nah. And I've sat on magazines. I've sat on pillows. I've done lots of things. Is there anything that does actually work, like for uh, lumbar support or anything? I mean, what, what do you, well, how do you deal actually, with the, the bad back? Um, I think it depends on the vehicle. There was, I, um, the, the vehicle I have doesn't have lumbar support adjustment now, um, and I won't name the company, but. American cars were better at having lumbar adjustments. Interesting. Um, so you know, so that uh, what really helps is getting out and stretching and walking for a couple of minutes, which I don't do as much as I should. All right, three one two nine two three nine two three nine. Any cabbie questions you have for Cheryl Miller? Uh, let's sort of uh, get back to this uh, the ride sharing that Anshul was talking about. Do you uh, try to persuade? riders to stick with cabs and not go with uber or lyft do you have conversations about that with with people with your your fares oh yes i have a lot of conversations uh, about it um and um i don't know cab drivers have organized a union um over the last couple of years around this and some other issues dealing with the city and actually i'm often not the person who brings it up it's often my passengers hmm. who bring it up and they have questions and um, especially around um, the fact the, the two things that people seem to want to talk about um, are the are the background checks um, because um, when you get a chauffeur's license, cab drivers have um, a, a law enforcement based um, background check and then um, also commercial liability insurance, which um, each cab must have um and that's mandated by law um so and it's there's not the same mandate um for ride share so those are the two things that um people tend to want to talk about lately because of the tragedy in Kalamazoo people have been wanting to talk about that i try to um tamp that down because it's just you know, it's so sad, and and at a certain point, you you feel like you're picking over bones when you talk about something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're uh, we're in the middle of uh, another one of our working shift. We try to do these every Monday, where we get inside the head and get inside the job and get inside uh, the lives of people who do interesting things for a living. Cheryl Miller uh, has been driving a cab for over. 15 Thank years. You. Okay. I <laughs> wanted to say that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, safety. Uh, a terrible situation where uh, the life of a cab driver was taken uh, in Lincoln Square during an armed robbery uh, just the other week. We have a follower on Twitter who wants to know how you are able to ensure your safety, at least to the best of your ability. Well, um, you know, to the best of my ability, is 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 actually right. I mean, we, um, the uh, Cab Drivers United, we have been calling um, for the city to mandate um, a panic alarm that's real time and GPS based, 
um, whether it could have helped in this tragedy, it's hard to say. Um, but there's certainly instances when it would help. Um, recently, the um, police, uh, Chicago police issued a bulletin about um, assaults and robberies that were occurring. And in, certainly in those cases, um, having a panic alarm would help um, police be able to apprehend or at least track what's happening in in real time a little bit better. But it's very, very sad. And, um, and you know, that's yeah, I mean, all I, can I, say. I mean, I'm looking in your eyes right now and you look like you're, you know, emotionally affected by this. Um, I know that there are dangerous jobs out there when when people step outside their homes when they've got dangerous jobs or even, you know, just uh, living in uh, the city, living living and breathing and walking outside your home wherever you are can be, uh, you know, a dangerous thing. But how do you handle how do you you just. All right, I'm going to take a deep breath, and it's going to be a good day today, and everything's going to be okay. How do you deal with it? Well, I basically exactly what you described. I um, people ask me, do I um, dwell on it? A lot of times, people ask me, oh, um, are are you worried about your safety when they get in the cab? I say, I don't know. Should I be? Are you going to do anything to me? And then we, you know, and that then we usually laugh, and then we go on. You know, I prefer to really think about the positives when I am driving, and that is just the exposure to people. I calculated once that I've probably, um, over the more than 15 years I've been driving, um, have probably had conversations with close to 100,000 people. That's a very special thing. Um, And I have had the wildest range of conversations. And it can vary in a day, not just over a career, but in the course of a day. Yeah, you were you were fascinated. I guess you had a conversation with Hal, our, our previous guest, about oh, you know what he was talking about, and it 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 got me to thinking about. Uh, you see, there are some people who just you know they get in, and there's a lot of people who they've got a Bluetooth in, and they're talking to somebody. I don't know who they're talking to, but they're talking. You seem like you really enjoy engaging with your fares. I, yeah, I do enjoy engaging in my, with my fares, which is a good thing because nobody I know actually wants to talk to me all day long. So, <laughs> so eventually they would hang up on me. So, um, yeah, I, I do like talking to people. It's such a unique opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I, I've i driven people at, you know, pardon the pun, but often at these very important intersections of their lives. Hmm. I had one passenger um i drove and it turned out she was going to a job interview and we just la- we just started talking and we were laughing and just being silly cuz sometimes something very silly can just set you off and you just spend a lot of time laughing and i'd given her my card and later she called me and said that she got the job and she felt like part what really helped her in the interview is that when she got there she was so relaxed and in a very cheerful mood. And then the flip side of that is when um, a woman flagged me and um, she was 
and she had her baby in a stroller and she was frantically trying to get to St. Joseph because she'd gotten a call that her mother would probably die within the hour and get here quickly. So, you know, those are the extremes that you wow. have. Do you uh, usually initiate the conversation with people who jump in, or do they uh, engage with you? What? How would you break that down? I would say I initiate it. Um, you know, I off- open up, offer out some feelers. Sometimes people don't want to talk. Sometimes people will get in and they'll say to me, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to be rude, but I have to get on a call. Um or I need to make some calls, or, but I usually offer a few questions as probes, sure, and and get it, you know. So that means I spend a lot of time starting off with the weather, or you know, what brings if they're at the airport, what brings you to Chicago, or if I'm taking them to the airport, where are you going, or you know. And then the old Americans stand by. So what do you do? <laughs> Interesting. And people, I guess, like to talk about what they do. People often do, or they just feel like I'm so pushy, the only way to um, (laughs) shut me up. I actually, um, at the very beginning of my career, one of my triumphs was breaking the secret service. (laughs) Really? That is, all right, hold on. We might have to go back to that. Uh, Claudia from the South Side has a question. Claudia, uh, welcome to the Morning Shift, and what is your question? Oh, thank you. Good morning. Um, I wondered if Cheryl could speak a little bit about if there's any gender-based difference being a cab driver, being a female cab driver as opposed to being a male cab driver. Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for calling. That is a question that um, often I would get from my passengers, and um, they would say, oh, is it different being a female cab driver than being a male cab driver? And my smart-alecky answer to them was, I don't know. I've never been a male cab driver. <laughs> so, um, but I don't know. You know, it's not – It's um, when you're in the cab, um, it – you know, you're interacting with people. I think as um, a, a woman, um, people – now, especially at night, women, when I get get in my cab, um, often say, oh, I'm so glad to get in a female um, cab mm. so people feel more comfortable Interesting. with that. Interesting. And uh, do you get – because you give out your card, do you get a lot of people uh, calling you back uh, for, um, for rides at different times? I, I, I have. And over various time periods, I've been more aggressive about – um, passing out my card um, during the economic downturn, I had a passenger who was in um, a capital leasing, and I said, "What is that?" And he said, "Oh, I lease out railroad cards." And I said, "So, what does business look like?" And he said, "Flat until the third quarter, 2010." And so I thought, "Ooh, that means we are going to really be in a deep recession because we're a consumer-based economy, and if." There's nothing being shipped to be sold, then we're not going to have it. So that's when I really aggressively that's passed really, out my that's cards. That's really, really amazing. <laughs> Let's get in one quick call. Uh, last call, Chris from Lincoln Park. What's your question? Yeah, hi. Um, and it ties in a little bit also to the ride share thing. It's talking with friends and neighbors. Um, a lot of us are really concerned with how the majority of cab drivers drive. I mean, it's a recklessness bordering on a disregard for human life. Um, and I'm sure your guess may not be that, but we're not talking a few bad apples. We're talking the majority of cab drivers, whether it's going shoving their way through a crosswalk full of people or 
with no notice, merging across multiple lanes. It's a very reckless driving on the, on the part of a, a large portion. All right, Chris. So so very so very quickly, uh, Cheryl. I mean, how do do you see a lot of this, and what how, what do you tell people when so they come to you and what, say that? I, I well, I think that that is a perception. Um, but I also think it's a somewhat exaggerated um, exception because if all cab drivers were that reckless, there would just be one mm. big accident block um, downtown. But, um, you know, and when you look at rideshare, because I'm on the streets all the day, all the time, I see people, rideshare drivers making crazy U-turns on Michigan Avenue, stopping because they're passengers across the street and Mm -hmm. stopping in the street. I think that there's, in any profession, there's people who um, are reckless and then there's people who conduct themselves professionally. Sure. That is Cheryl Miller, a longtime cab driver here in Chicago. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Miller. This has been a real pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Sure, and uh, thanks to all the calls. And tomorrow on The Morning Shift, Tony Sarabia will return with a conversation about disability inclusion. Employers often scared of hiring disabled people, but it's worked for companies like Walgreens and Canon. It's even boosted morale and productivity. That and more tomorrow on The Morning Shift. Thanks to the crew. Thank you for listening. This is The Morning Shift on WBEZ.